Sports Ethos New York Knicks Podcast. Andre Gallagher here. The Knicks pulled off two victories after this OG trade. Wait. Wait. This just in. Three victories after this OG trade. Three. They waltzed on down to Philadelphia. And whipped their ass. Whipped them. They led for a long stretch in this game. You really expected Philadelphia to make multiple runs. And they did exactly that. But they never got it really close. I'm not even sure if they got it under 10. And in that fourth quarter where things were getting a little shaky. Because Randall was terrible all night. He's been good. So I'm not going to jump down his throat. But he was terrible. Looked like he couldn't dribble the ball. I don't know why there's no grip powder. Or, or liquid rosin or whatever they call it, whatever these guys put on in the bench. I don't know why Randall doesn't use it. I don't know if, he's, if it makes him break out. All right, does he break out in hives? Wait, why can't he use it? Because he dribbles the ball. Like, there are five-year-olds who dribble the ball better than him. I don't understand it. I don't understand. He was bad. Brunson was good. And Hart was a plus 46 on the night. OG didn't get his, his shots. But it's hold on the conversation. Something to keep an eye on. But he has, a, he had a, I think he's plus 76 now or something like that. And then three games with the Nick as a Nick. And Grimes, you know, after Scola's first half, came up big when Philly was starting to make a run. Grimes came up. Huge for the Knicks. Knocked down some threes. I think it was four threes in the second half. 19 points in the second half, I believe he had. 18 or 19. Looked aggressive. He he really looked more like the guy I I thought he could be still down on the ball. But he was a hero on the night. And, of course, Jalen Brunson came to play as well. There was a lot of talk about this being a test game for the Knicks. I don't believe in test games because when when teams – Win test games when the Knicks win test games, it doesn't matter after they win it. They didn't, they didn't pass any tests, it wasn't a test all of a sudden. People just move on to the next narrative like it didn't even happen. Was the Minnesota game a test game? I don't know, was it one of the best teams in the league? Was it a test game? Mm, I guess not because they won. But Philadelphia, you know, how people were talking. The Knicks, so they're you know it's a it's an okay trade, but they're still not good enough to crack the top three. No, 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 they didn't stop at the top three. I heard people say the top four, top four. They said, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out like why can't the Knicks beat Philadelphia because they have Joel Embiid because Embiid can't get out in the second round. Is that what makes them better? Because it hasn't made Philadelphia better than other teams. Like Miami. Didn't make them better. Didn't make them better than Boston last year. The Knicks beat Boston a bunch of times last year. None of that counts, right? None of those games are test games because they won. I don't do test games. But I don't really understand other than... Okay, Philadelphia has a better record, but did you look at the strength of schedule? Did you look at how many road games the Knicks have had so far? No, you didn't. Don't compare records if you're not going if you're not going to compare competition. You compare records at the end of the season, 
but don't compare records midseason if you're not going to compare competition. The Knicks have had a tougher schedule. They've had more road games. Philadelphia has played very, very well. They have a better record. There's no disputing that. But if you're going to just say that they're a better team than the Knicks just because they have a better record, well, you know, check back in two weeks and that might change. It's not like they're 10 games ahead of them in the standings. That's silly. You're looking at the roster and you're saying that the roster is better than the Knicks. And I don't know if that's true. Or you're just saying they have the best player in Embiid. Well, if that's the case, Embiid's better than every single player in the Eastern Conference, not named Giannis and debatably Tatum. I think most people would say Embiid is better than Tatum. I think most people would say that Embiid is having a better season than Giannis, so I guess none of those teams can beat him, right? It's just none of, none of it makes sense. There's no such thing as a test game because the Knicks won. If they had lost it, then it was a test game and they failed it. But in this run with OG, they beat Minnesota, and now they beat Philadelphia. And they did it pretty handily. Now, it's early. It's early now. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. OG's a plus 76, though. Suffice it to say that the Knicks are doing okay so far with this trade. Doing all right. And Toronto's playing well as well, mostly because of Emmanuel Quickly, but that's neither here nor there. I did have a Nick, a Nick fan. He tried to flippantly respond to someone who asked how they were doing, and he just hit him with uh, RJ has 14 and 7, and he skipped a whole 5 for 12 part. But whatever. I think they, I think they will play well. It was a good trade for both teams. I think that's what reasonable, reasonable folks have said. I think most Nick fans who are paying attention and not just biased by being fans of RJ uh, will tell you that they miss quickly. And the Knicks missed. That's where they lost. They lost uh, some value in, in quickly. No question. But with OG, you're not seeing the offense that you want to see from OG just yet. I'm hoping Tibbs is just trying to ease him in. Uh, Tibbs is going to piss me off if he don't let that man touch the ball because you know that boy wants to touch the ball. You don't want to just stand in the corner. But his effect on the team has been tangible. 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 As soon as they take OG out, because of, you know, because quickly he's not there. As soon as they take OG out, it is a problem for this team to maintain any leads, to do well, etc. He is having that significant effect. Of, of an effect on the team. It's it's incredible. What was the stat? I saw this stat. Bear with me as I pull it up. Uh, oh, yep, here we go. In 38 minutes, and this is from Tommy Bear. Small sample size, granted, and he and he tweeted that. And this is before tonight's game. Okay, and it's probably not much different after tonight's game because the numbers pretty much line up. In the 38 minutes they've played together, since OG arrived in New York, the starting five of Brunson, DiVincenzo, OG, Randall, and Hart, I Hart, I Hart, have posted an offensive rating of 130.9. 
the average offensive rating in the league is about 115. Their defensive rating, 86.4. And For those of you who don't know, basically their offensive rating is indicative of a score of a team that's scoring 130 points on pace to score 130 points. So if they played, if they played 48 minutes, they would score around 138 points a game. I'm sorry, 130 points per game. It's 130.9, so 130. And defensively, if they want the court the whole time, they'd be holding teams to 86 points per game. That's that's essentially what that means. It's insane. It's insane. That's how you win games. It's a net rating of 44. That's insane. Most teams have net ratings of single, low single digits. I mean, again, things aren't perfect. That second unit is not looking great right now. It's it's really kind of janky. I think I think some of it is due to schematic issues. Unfortunately, is how they're trying to approach that second unit. We talked about Deuce McBride getting his chance, but he really not getting his chance. Even tonight, and he was awesome tonight in that first half, hitting all those threes. It was exciting to see. I told you, there's, there's something about McBride. There's more offense there. But even still, they're not letting the offense go through him necessarily. They're using him as sort of like a spot-up shooter. It's just, um, I, I'm not going to say it's weird. I just, I don't know why Tibbs thinks any of this stuff that he's doing is going to work. It just, I can see, I saw Hart with the ball a little bit more. If you're going to go with the second unit with OG, which I think was in that natural progression and experiment, the ball should be in OG's hands more. You don't just have him out there chilling. It has to go through him more. And Randall, I, listen, I, I, I'm just going to zip my lip on Randall, man, because he's been playing so well, but Jesus, man, he looks so ridiculous out there turning the ball over the way he was. But McBride, he's not being asked to initiate the offense at all. It's just going right through Randall. And listen, Randall needs an adult in the room. You can't just let Randall go out there and just be all world. I'm going to dribble the ball down court or I'm going to post up from the three-point line and, and you're going to double team and I'm going to find it. You can't, can't do that every night. Can't do it. Doesn't look good. The ball's not moving, you know. In theory, that's it. what's happening is that second unit is they're not at all trying to get downhill going to the basket because Julius is not doing that when he's posting up. He's waiting for the double team. So you're thinking you're going to get the good shots coming out of the double team, and it's just not looking good right now. You're not giving McBride a chance at all to initiate the offense from the point guard position. Not even seeing what it looks like, and I understand that we've we've seen it in the past in small sample sizes, and it hasn't been great. But that was true for quickly too. So, you know, if if you're basing, if you look at this this the sample size that quickly had, where for a long period of time the offense was not crisp when he tried to go high screen and roll every single possession for a long time in his career years, and then McBride, who's barely got an opportunity to play, you've already decided that he can't do it. Uh, and I understand that they they watch it in practice and everything, but at least try it since the second unit is not playing well. And I'll go one step further. Do it with Hart. Do it with Grimes. Do it with OG when he's playing with the second unit. Do it with someone else. 
before you just decide that the second unit is going to be trash and you're going to play um, Randall and Brunson 40 minutes a game. But you're not going to know what you have with them until you do it. And now this, the trade deadline is coming up. Trade season is, is cooking and the Knicks are under pressure to make another move. And I understand that you don't want your organization to be under media pressure to make a move or fan pressure to make a move. And for the most part, the Knicks have been very patient and wise when it comes to that. But some of these reports of the Knicks being interested in certain people, it's not all made up. Some of it is 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 real. And the interest the interest levels are always a kind of debate. Like you know, they check they they kick the tires on a guy. It's not a big deal. But I believe these DeJounte Murray rumors. I do. I do believe them because they, they fit. He fits what they're trying to do in theory, you know, whether you agree or disagree. And why wouldn't they be interested? Atlanta's looking to shake things up. Why wouldn't they be interested? Of the of the people that you know are available right now, that you're hearing are available, only he is the perfect match. I shouldn't say perfect. Debatably, the perfect match for what the Knicks are looking for. They want youth. They want two-way players. He can play the point guard position, and now there's a dirt at the position. You know, a guy like DeRozan is a little debatable if, if that's uh, something they'd be interested in. Now, DeRozan was trying out for the Knicks last night. All those three-pointers he took and made, he was trying out for the Knicks. I'd say, I tweeted it before the game. He was trying out. Him and Drummond. And I thought Drummond didn't play well, but then Drummond ended up with 20 rebounds. And his sleep, he's getting. Defensively, you didn't really feel an impact from Drummond. I think that's where Drummond drops the ball. Um, there's no there's no guarantee that they're not interested in Drummond being from Mount Vernon. I think I told you that there were reports that there was a big Drummond fan in the Knicks organization. I think Fred Cass reported it. But um, I think DeRozan was 100% trying out for the Knicks last night. All those three points he took, he's not stupid. He heard, he heard people saying, why would the Knicks want DeRozan if he's not a three-point shooter? But that would also piss me off if I was playing, if I was coaching DeRozan and knowing that he's willing to take that shot and he's just been avoiding doing it all this time. If DeRozan's going to be making and, and taking, taking and making threes, then he might not be a terrible fit for the Knicks. He might be as good of a temporary fit as DeRozan. I mean, I'm sorry, as uh, DeJounte. I say temporary because he's old. It may not cost as much to get DeRozan, and he might be just as effective for what you're looking for because he can create offense for other people too. He he uh, gets good assist numbers. He can If he's going to shoot threes, he can, he can play off the ball, he can play on the ball. He's a big player down the stretch of the games, and he's proven to some degree in big spots, even though in the playoffs when he was with Toronto, it's a little bit janky. But it may not cost as much to get him as it would DeJounte, and it wouldn't necessarily preclude you from making a bigger move down the line, whereas DeJounte would have to be desired by uh, the next organization, which may not be which may not be a big deal unless DeJounte comes in and doesn't play well. I'm just saying it's an option. I've been I've been talking about this trade show that I gotta do. It's it's an option if DeRozan's gonna hit that three. You know, it doesn't fit with the Knicks timeline, but for a one year rental, if it doesn't cost much to get him, you might as well take a shot if there's nobody else to get. You might as well take a shot. Why not? It's just unfortunate that it would actually cost like you don't want to give anybody that you you need up or that you like up to get the Rosen. You can give him a draft pick maybe, but 
give them Fournier, but they got to make up that contract difference. And I don't think they really want to give up anybody of any value to get to Rosen. But, you know, if that's the case, I think the Rosen might have a market elsewhere. I tell you right now, if it doesn't, if it's not going to cost much, I wouldn't have no problem getting the Rosen. And if you think that you can get the guy that you really want in the summertime, which is what was reported yesterday, if you think that you can get the guy that you want it and you want in the summertime, then the Rosen helps you do that because it's an expiring deal. If you make that, if you make that trade before the draft, I believe it, it works. And I think I made that mistake with Fournier saying Fournier had to be traded by the trade deadline. Even though I don't think the Knicks keep him all year, I think they trade him to someone else who has an expiring contract and and maybe move that guy before the, before the draft. But depending on DeRozan's price, man, it may not hurt you to bring him in. Whereas you're kind of stuck with DeJounte, and I don't want to use the word stuck. You're kind of stuck with him, though. If things don't work out and he doesn't look good, you're kind of stuck with him. He's in, he's, he's the early portion of the contract he signed. If it, it's, a, it's a swing, it's a, it's a hard swing, and if you miss, you get burned. That's the kind of nonsense that Stephen A. Smith wants you to do. Because Stephen A. Smith is just talking pure nonsense. Right? The way he talks about, well, if the Knicks got Donovan Mitchell, they would have beaten Miami. If the, if the Knicks got Donovan Mitchell, they may not have even gotten to Miami because of everything they would have had to give up to get him. The Knicks' depth was a major reason why they were the team that they were last year and almost matched Donovan's team's record. It was the depth. Remember I told you how the season turned around when Grimes played and McBride played and quickly played more? Those are guys who were supposed to be in the deal. The Cavs were a How many times I got to relitigate this? The, the Cavs were a better team and added a great player and still only finished a couple games ahead of the Knicks in the standings and lost to them with home court advantage in five games. Why are you so convinced that the Knicks had traded some of the pieces that assisted them in getting that, in that position to get Donovan that they would be better than the team that Donovan actually went to who was a better team? <laughs> Which was a better team? It defies reason to me. What he's doing, he's just is is he's just playing fantasy league and just placing Donovan on an accomplished team and ignoring how moving the parts off that team make them a different team and maybe the results are different. You're just thinking, oh, Donovan, Jalen, Randall, RJ, and Mitchell together, oh, that's a better team. Well, maybe one of those guys is gone. Maybe you don't make the heart trade anymore because you don't have the pieces or the cap space. What you know what I mean? Heart was an important part of that idea, that team. You can't just say that adding Donovan to a team makes the team better when the team beat the team that Donovan was on. You can't just do that. That doesn't make sense. Is it worth a debate or a conversation? Hey, should they have gone after Donovan? Yes, but you could not have matched the success. Sorry, that's my dog. But you can't. You couldn't have. You can't. You can't just compare the success by adding Donovan to the team if you don't know what the rest of the team looks like. That's what Phoenix is doing. They're taking all the stars and they're putting them in the lineup and then they don't have anything else. And now they're struggling, injuries or whatever. There's no depth. You can't do it that way. It's easy to to revisit that Donovan trade and subtract all of the necessary pieces to make that trade to suit your purposes because you don't know all the necessary pieces that <laughs> to make the trade. You just think you do. Oh, they just need to trade RJ and Grimes. It's, nah, man. It wasn't just RJ and Grimes. And if they needed anything else, they wouldn't have been able to do it. And they just got OG 
and you can't act like getting OG. Right now, you have to assume that getting OG is probably a more significant move towards winning than Donovan Mitchell would be. Because Donovan Mitchell is really just giving you great scoring, and you have great scoring in Jalen Brunson. If you don't think it's enough, that's fine. That's a debate. That's fine. But OG is going to, is, is a piece that you can logically say is going to move you closer to winning than Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell lost in the first round last year. And Donovan Mitchell is an is a A1 player that you're saying is an A1 player superstar. OG is not an A1 player superstar. He is just a necessary component to, to winning. You pair him with A1s, it makes you a better team. Similar to, to, to White in Boston, Brooke Lopez is in his prime. These are guys that are necessary components to winning championships. Drew Holiday's. These guys help you win championships. You still need Giannis and 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 uh, Dame and Tatum and blah blah blah. You still need Donovan's. All right, you still need those guys, but you need the other guys too. Stop acting like the other guys aren't important because the other guys are the reasons why Donovan was sitting home last year. And if the Knicks keep trading away their other guys for guys who can't do it by themselves, and they're just going to end up where those guys are. That's why the Donovan talk is so silly, as long as the Cavs aren't much better than the Knicks. And last year, they weren't. That's all you can go by. Now, another thing you saw in the broadcast, you saw the same tired old analysis about the Knicks needing a superstar. But you also keep seeing people saying that they don't think the OG deal makes them a top four team. I understand if you don't think they make them a top two team. I even understand if you think it doesn't make them a top three team. Who is this fourth team that's so much better than the Knicks? I just looked at the standings. I'm trying to figure out, like, who you think is, like, who is this fourth team that is untouchable? Miami? That's what we doing? The Knicks can't beat Miami? That's what you think? They're not as good as Miami with this deal? Really? Really? Why is Miami better than the Knicks on paper? What are they doing? Why are they better? Schematically? Better coach? Okay. All right. What is What are they doing that's so great that you don't think the Knicks are, uh, are good enough to beat Miami post-OG? What? The Knicks are just... They're just... Uh. On one hand, a lot of smart voices understand the value of OG and Anobi. You, you saw Zach Lowe's report talking about you know the NBA exec that said that R.J. Barrett was a toxic contract and they weren't going to go anywhere, essentially, with R.J. Barrett. And you've seen a lot of people who understood that quickly was a real value for Toronto in this deal. And, and R.J. is kind of like a bonus that might not be a bonus. <laughs> you try to get the best out of him. So you see a lot of smart people who understand the value of this deal. It helped both teams. But then you see people... When they make the analysis about, you know, does this put the Knicks in the next level? Are they contenders now? Well, OG wasn't going to make anyone a contender. Right? If you think OG was going to make a team a contender that wasn't a contender, then your viewpoint of that team that wasn't a contender, so-called, was probably flawed to begin with. If OG went to the Pacers, they're a contender now? If you, if you thought they were an OG away, then you were flawed. Who's an OG away from being a contender that's not already a contender? You saw OG being linked to a bunch of teams, uh, Philadelphia being one. Well, people think that Philadelphia is a contender. I don't. But people think that. So you thought they were a contender before. Uh, so OG is not the difference maker. They were a contender already. It makes them, makes them a stronger contender? Okay. 
Like who? Who? Miami? Oh, they they're really gonna be contenders now. They got OG. Like maybe because people seem to have this warped view of Miami since my Miami pulls hats out of their butt all the time. I'll give you an asterisk on Miami. The Cavs. Who's the team? Like I can see the Cavs being made to be contenders with OG, but who would they lose to get OG? Because whoever they lost would be a significant loss to them. Whereas as significant a loss as quickly was to the Knicks, he's not he's not irreplaceable. RJ RJ was easily replaceable. So who's the guy that the Cavs can just give up that has value that's not going to completely reshape their team? Like if you want me to answer that question, this is not a Cavs podcast. Even though Cavs have been playing without Garland, I think the Cavs can't win it as long as they have Mobley and Allen. I stand by that. It doesn't make sense to have two bigs if they don't play like two bigs. Meaning, not in a good way. Not like they play like perimeter players, blah, blah. They are two bigs that are supposed to play big, but don't play big. And Mitchell Robinson showed you that. So you can't have two bigs that are have big man games, but don't play like big men against other big men. You can't have it. Just have one. Choose one and roll with it. You can choose whichever one you want. Of course, people think Mobley has unlimited potential, so you keep Mobley and you get a backup that can bang around at the center position in case Mobley can't handle somebody. In my book. And you can get good value for Jared Allen, who's a pretty solid center. I let him go somewhere that has a, a four man who can space the floor. That's what I think the Cavs should do. So in theory, and this wouldn't this wouldn't happen because Toronto is very happy with, with uh, Jakob Pertl. But in theory, in fantasy land, get rid of one of their big men and bring in OG, and I think they're a contending team. I don't see where, where OG changes the fortunes of any team and makes them a, from, no, from not being a contender to being a contender outside of the Cavs, maybe Miami. So it's, a, it's, a, it's really... A it's moving the goalpost for the Knicks to say this dude this this move is not significant for them because it doesn't make them a contender. This move is if they get a guy, now they're serious contenders. There's no guarantee that that guy that some of the guys that people want them to get Levine, Donovan Mitchell. There's no there's no guarantee that those guys are going to make them contenders. Donovan Mitchell makes them a small backcourt. Donovan Mitchell being a one A guy has not had great success. There's no guarantee. Who's the other guy? Levine. There's no guarantee. The Rosen. There's no guarantee. Everybody has their only all. They have their own idea of who this guy needs to be. Cat. Cat is not even a one on his own team. And you would lose Randall to have to get him. And I'm not saying it's it's a bad idea. I'm not going to go into it right now. But he's not even available. Stephen A. Smith is standing on his soapbox because he wants Donovan Mitchell. He's standing on his soapbox because he wants Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell brings some question marks. If they get him, it's going to cost a ton. It's going to gut the team. It's going to gut the team. And it's going to it's going to cost a bunch of draft picks. And it makes him a small backcourt. So you would desperately need OG and Anobi on the team. You would desperately need him on the team to make up for the fact that Donovan Mitchell was there. You desperately need him. So it's like everybody, whoever wants Donovan Mitchell thinks Donovan Mitchell is the answer. 
the Knicks would have been left with significant holes that would have kept them from actual real contention. Whereas now, whatever that next move is, it's closer to being honest to goodness championship contention because OG's here too. That's why this next move has to be so calculated and careful. Because you don't want to swing for the fences because of nonsense like Stephen A. Smith is spewing. And Will Bond and all these guys. Because it's going to gut your team to get the dude. And that dude might not be the answer because of, of all the gutting it took to get the guy. I, I'm not going to make this about Donovan Mitchell. But I'm just making it an example. Maybe the next move... Maybe the next move needs to be a guy who actually solves the problem that the Knicks have right now. And the problem the Knicks have right now is not to have a guy who puts up 25 shots a game. All right? It's a guy who can spell Brunson and Randall and be just as, if not more, unguardable at the end of the game. And maybe a guy who is who is unguardable simply because those guys are on the floor with him. So instead of a guy who's unguardable regardless of the situation, maybe you just need a guy who's unguardable because those guys are on the floor. And I'm not advocating for this, but DeRozan, he would be perfect if he was 25, but whatever. DeRozan, he fits that bill. And again, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying he fits that bill. He doesn't need to be, nobody would consider DeRozan a 1A on the championship team. Nobody would because he's too old and blah, blah, blah. But a guy who can do 1A type stuff when you need it, that's him. And I'm just throwing him out there. Maybe they need a guy who it just has the ability to create offense for others and be a competent scorer and defender. And they don't need Donovan Mitchell because that guy, the, the former, Example is a guy who they can actually attain without betting the team because the team and all of its parts are what make them a contender when it comes down to it. It's the fact that you want to come out nine deep, sometimes even 10, with guys you got to guard over the floor who are competent basketball players who are passing, making plays, etc., for each other. Again, keep talking about this trade show, I'm gonna do it eventually. Maybe, maybe that guy isn't a superstar. Maybe you don't follow Stephen A. Smith's advice on who you should get. Because he's over here dismissing the... One day he says, says it doesn't move him. Another day he says it was a good trade. Here's a guy that's dismissing the effect that OG's having on the team after I just read those numbers to you. Donovan Mitchell's doing that for his team. You see the assist totals from Jalen Brunson? Very small sample size, and you can. I may. I might have to eat these words if things change. But listen, you can't deny what this man has done for this team right now. You can't. And just bringing in a guy who's going to take shots away from Randall, who's playing old world, and Brunson, who's playing old world, maybe not the answer. Maybe everything that you give up to have a guy that in the playoffs can spell Brunson from scoring forty points a game against Miami since we need somebody else so badly or can take shots away from Randall when Brunson's getting all the shots anyway. 
right down the stretch of a game or can who or somebody who can actually give you efficient offense when those guys are not playing all right maybe solely focusing on that guy and gutting your whole team to get that guy maybe you should just focus on somebody who compliments the dudes who are here and having success maybe that guy's cheaper all-star voting came out today the what it looks like so far, Brunson is behind Trey Young, and that's a joke. Everybody else, you kind of make an argument for being behind Trey Young. Joke. Joke. Randall's not top 10. Comical era. I don't know. Macau Bridges is on that list. What are we doing? What's happening? What drug are you guys on? Macau Bridges? He's not even playing well. What not? What the hell? I don't stress the voting outside of just, you know, respect because, you know, Brunson's not getting voted in as a starting guard. You know, Randall's not getting voted in as a starting forward, but it's a respect thing. This is he's getting constantly disrespected. And I think it affects his game. Let's see how he comes out next game because he's been lights out. He's the type of guy that gets all bent out of shape about things like that. Let's talk about real. There are two things that need some discussion. And it's not going to happen on this show, but. I need everybody to sit back and think about this for a minute. Why is why is Randall in such a good mood? Randall is never looking like this. He is never. He is always a grump on the court. Always. He might flash a smile every blue moon. He's smiling all the time. He's out there having a good old time. Why is he in such a good mood? Why is he in such a good mood? I don't get it. I need to know. Inquiring minds need to know. And it's noticeable. It's noticeable. A friend of mine said he noticed it in, the, in I think, it's the Milwaukee game or something. Oh, Milwaukee uh, on Christmas. Yes, there was a little bit of that in Milwaukee on Christmas. There's a little bit of it. Wasn't like this. There's two games now where this guy is laughing and smiling the whole game, man. I don't know what's changed. I don't know what has changed in the last couple days that's got this man in such a good mood. Three games. I mean, he was trash tonight, but still had a better demeanor. And the other thing is, that's two consecutive games where Brunson has had double-figure assists, something that didn't happen all year long. All year long. And Nick's are like eighth in the league in three-point shooting percentage. So, so, it's not just because people are hitting shots all of a sudden. Not just that. Why are his assist totals so high all of a sudden? 13 and 14 assists? Of course, he had two assists tonight, but whatever. Bear with me here. I already told you what the offensive rating was with OG on the floor and those five on the floor together. So it was clearly the offense is clicking. But why is it so centrally, centrally located on Jalen Brunson, who has been known to be by a lot of critics and even some objective observers looking for his shot more than the pass? He's essentially doubling his assist output in these two games OG has been here. Is he just more willing to pass or maybe something else is afoot? I just want everybody to think about it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying nothing. I'm just, I just want everybody to follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter, at Ethos Knicks. 
Wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about this fool Gilbert Arenas. Let's talk about this fool Gilbert Arenas. Now, I understand Gilbert Arenas is very smart. This is what he's trying to do. He wants this kind of engagement. He might not be getting the viewership that he was getting before when they were telling the stories, you know, player-only stories and stuff. When they started doing all this basketball analysis, people started turning him off because people who are interested in basketball analysis know that you don't know what the f*** you're talking about. You say ridiculous things that are very easily disproven, and so do your partners. Now, the nonsense he says today, Houston would not trade Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle for Jalen Green. Are you out of your mind? Jalen Green is shooting 40% from the field, 35% from three. And averaging 17 points, I think five rebounds and three assists. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? You'd have to be a team that's like tanking. A team that's... We're not trying to win in the next two, three years. That's why we don't make that deal. We'd rather just stick with Jalen and, and they're not doing that because they, he's a superstar. Jaylen, you act like Jalen Brunson is 39 years old. He's in his mid-20s. What, what is the matter with you? He cannot be this ridiculous. He cannot. He cannot. I've seen people say that his research, research department is trash which is ironic considering that he was saying that Nick's research department was trash. And I talked about this on the last show, I believe, how he's going back 20 years to to criticize the Knicks and moves they've made when this front office has only been here for four years. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? It criticizes things that this front office has done, not what we did in 2003. That's dumb. But you got two guys who are deserving of being on an all-star team. And you're saying, and they're making a combined like $50 million a year, somewhere around there, a little bit more. Where in a league where guys are making that all by themselves and losing. And you think that they would not want to get those two guys for Jalen Green? Who's already on the trade block? Does he even know that Jalen Green is on the trade block? Who do you think Jalen Green's on the trade block for? Two NBA All Stars? Are you what? what? R.J. Barrett has been better than Jalen Green. Don't give me what you think Jalen Green is going to be. What is he right now? R.J. Barrett is better than him. He also said. The Knicks have stalled out because they traded R.J. Barrett. What? 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 What are you talking about? Why is R.J. Barrett the reason why the Knicks would have stalled out? Does he know how many draft picks the Knicks have? Does he? Does he like what? What? Does he know the Knicks are in the market for players who are better than R.J. Barrett? If they got Dejounte Murray, if they got Malcolm Brogdon, uh, let me not say Brogdon. That's debatable. If they got DeJounte Murray, wouldn't they be better than RJ better than they would be if they had RJ Barrett? What are you talking about? Stop giving people like Stephen A. Smith and Gilbert Arenas the time of day. Stop reposting their, their content. 
You know, stop tagging them. Stop engaging them. Just ignore them. They are using you for clicks. They're using you for clicks. I wish I knew the tricks. I wish I had the gumption to do it and have no integrity in my takes just to get people all riled up so they come listen to the show. I, I'd, I'd be rich. Gilbert Arenas out here sounding like a damn fool, but he's, he's pocketing money off of you guys continuing to promote the show. So stop it. Stop giving these guys the time of day. Until next time. Oh, my God.